We're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 25, entitled The Glories of Devotional Service. And today's text is number 25. The translation is In the Association of Pure Devotees, Discussion of the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Personality of God, it is very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. By cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation, and thereafter he is freed and his attention becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. And here the word for word. Please repeat. Satam of pure devotees. Prasangat through the association. Mama my virya wonderful activities. Samvida by discussion of. What is the first line about, roughly? Pardon me? Could you just say, say what you heard so far? The words. Do you have a second mic? It's Loka in the back. So, satam is a word used for the devotees. Why is that? Satam. Anyway, we're getting to Loka. Raise your hand, Loka. Thank you. Okay, which words indicate that? Nice, that helps a lot. Satam Prasangam. So association with devotees is a very special kind of association. Mama, Krishna's talking, or Kapila, this incarnation of Krishna is talking about himself. Mama Virya Sammiro, so his valorous activities. And then the second section. Bhavanti become Khrit to the heart Karna to the ear Rasa Ayana pleasing Kata the stories So what's the second line about? Just whatever you heard you don't have to be given erudite explanation Yes 
Microphone, please. Somebody make sure everyone gets it as quickly as possible. Right back there. Yeah, meaning um, it says pleasing, but it's also uh, the tonic that. Ah, uh, that's nice. Making us healthy. Yeah, a rasayana is kind of a tonic. It's nice to take tonics, makes you feel better about your life. You take it every day, and it's supposed to give you vitality and so forth. What else did you hear from the second line? Bhavanti was that you're becoming, so you're developing in some way. Something's happening here. Bhavanti, hrit. What about hrit? Does everyone agree that means heart? And karna? Ears. So the, there's this rasayana, this tonic, that's being, being taken, actually, literally, through the ears. And it has an effect on the heart. Rasayana, karna, Bhavanti, um, karna, rasayana, and then what's the last word? Kata. Kata. So kata is the what? Stories. Yeah, stories or the words, whatever we're, we're, we're speaking. So the first two lines together, satam prasangam mamavirya samvido. So the, <clears throat> the Lord is saying that the, the devotees, the satam, the satam prasangam, this is the kind of uh, extraordinary association, mamavirya samvido. They, uh, they're hearing about me, and the effect is that bhavanti hrit karna rasayana kata, it acts as a tonic. It's a kind of medicine. And you, there are many different kinds of medicine, some of them you take them uh, orally, some of them you inject, but this kind you take through the ear. And when you take it into the ear, then let's he hear the next section. What will be the result? <clears throat> Tut of that. Joshanat by cultivation. Ashu. Quickly, apavarga, of liberation, varmani, on the path. So the, the next line says, touch joshanad, so it's tut, but you got by Sunday rules, touch joshanad, ashu, apavarga, varmani. So then, uh, the vartma, it means a path. So it's indicating here, uh, or Kapiladeva is indicating, Tajjoshanad. Tajjoshanad is a kind of cultivation. When you do this, when you do this as a practice, Tajjoshanad Ashu. Ashu means very quickly. Ashu, Apavargavartmani. Uh, so this is, this is a beautiful point. Apavargavartmani. Uh, so the path, you're, essentially your path starts going in a different direction. Because... Uh, pavarga means the path of birth and death in the material world, which is uh, illustrated by the syllables in the Sanskrit alphabet, pa, 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 and ma. And this means that pa, 
that in order to live in this world, one has to work hard. Agree or disagree? Agree. Agree. Especially in the greater metropolitan areas of the world, you have to work really hard. Uh, and then pa means finial, which how hard do you have to work? Well, like farm animals, and even we have experience, you know, if you work really hard, you look and you say, oh, foam's coming from my mouth. Uh, for, but definitely animals, you can see they're pulling a cart or something and the foam comes out, this finial. And this is the represent, represented by the syllable pa. So it means that you have to work hard. And how hard? So hard that foam comes from your mouth. Pa pa ba means that even as, uh, as you work hard, it doesn't mean that it guarantees success. It's just hard work, which is called shrama. It's hard work with no ultimate result. And then bha means bhayam, or fear. This is the pervading uh, mood in the material world. Bhayam dvitiya abhini siyad. I'm working hard, and, but I'm always afraid I'm going to lose what I have. And then finally, ma. And ma stands for mrityu, or death. So it's like that bumper sticker, Life is such and such, and then you die. So, when you put an A in front of a word in Sanskrit, in many cases, it changes the meaning, it makes it opposite. So this phenomena of pavarga becomes apavarga, which means now you're rising above all of these phenomena of the material world, working hard, being afraid, losing everything, and finally dying. Does that sound appealing? Say yes. yes. Okay. So that's the path you're on. And how do you get on the path? By taking the tonic. You take the tonic, which is generated from the association of devotees. You hear the kata, the sound vibration that's coming from the mouths of satam. Satam prasangam amavirya samvido bhavanti hritkarna rasayana kata. Taj joshanad, the cultivation of this, taj joshanad, ashu, very quickly, Apavarga Vartmani, you start on a pathway going back to Godhead. And then the last line, we have Shraddha. Everyone say Shraddha. Ratir. Puktir. Anukramishiti. So this word, Anukramishiti, has, has the, uh, the the uh, words anu, which means to follow, and krama. So anukrama means to, to uh, follow, some, something follows one step after another. In other words, it's indicating a process that's going to take place. So anukramishiti. And what is, what is the process? What is the step-by-step -step, uh, unfolding that will take place? And that is uh, shraddha. So... Shraddha means, it's, da is an active verb, it means where you place something, and shrad means the heart. So shraddha means where you place your heart, ultimately. And the definition of shraddha in the Chaitanya Charnamita, shraddha shabdi vishwas kahi suridhanishchai krishne bhakti kula sarva karma krita hoi. Shraddha means a strong belief that just by performing bhakti, that's, uh, I'll perform all other work. I don't need to do anything else except focus 
on serving Krishna because everything else will be done. At the end of the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, uh, eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Vedeshu yagneshu tapasu chayva jnaneshu karma patam pratipram that he names all different ways in which people get benefit for themselves in this world. Vedeshu yagneshu tapasu chayva jnaneshu yagpunya palam pratishtam adyeti karma he says all of these uh, are not the devotee, the person who dedicates him or herself to devotional service, not bereft of any of these things. In other words, you don't have to do anything uh, separately except perform uh, devotional service. And the abiding and growing faith in this understanding is called shraddha. So that's the preliminary stage of advancement in devotional shraddha, ratir, and rati means uh, affection. So one begins, so the first stage one develops by hearing is Shraddha, and the next is Rati, or one develops a positive attraction for the Lord, and Bhaktir here indicates that one comes to the perfection of devotional service, which means to attain pure love for Krishna. And this happens how? Anu Kramishrati, one step follows another if you just hear about Krishna in the association of devotees. The translation again, in, a, in the association of pure devotees, discussion of the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. By cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation, and thereafter he is freed and his attraction becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The process of advancing in Krishna consciousness and devotional service is described here. The first point is that one must seek the association of persons who are Krishna conscious and who engage in devotional service. Without such association, one cannot make any advancement. Simply by theoretical knowledge or study, one cannot make any appreciable advancement. So what did you hear so far? You just raise your hand and you'd say anything that you heard so far. And if you didn't hear anything, we'll start over. Because it's possible to, for sound to be coming and then I don't recognize it. So, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, I understood that without the association with the devotees and getting together and, and talk and discuss the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you won't be able to advance anything because just doing it yourself, reading books, or, or trying to do your sign by yourself without the association, you won't get the effect that you will be getting if you associate with Yeah, really person. well done. You remembered a lot. Thank you. And it, there's a, a verb here, Prabhupada says, one must seek. So you have to look for it. He, he says, the first point is that one must seek the association of persons who are Krishna conscious and engage in devotional service. So you have to look for it. So any place you go, um, I mean, any place you go that doesn't have devotees isn't a nice place to go. So any place you go, if you can find out where the devotees are, like gamblers, they're always looking for a, a back room where the game is going on. People addicted to gambling, they get into Cincinnati, and then they ask, you know, where's the gambling match going? 
and someone tells them, you know, it's down at Lefty's down there. And then they, they knock on the door, they give a secret password, and they let him into a smoke-filled room, and they can sit back there and, and gamble to their heart's content. Well, devotees have another kind of addiction, and that is to being with other devotees. This is the symptom of advancement in devotional service. So whatever place you end up, first thing that's being advised here is to find out where that game is going on, Krishna Kata is going on. And if you can get in there, then you'll naturally make advancement. This is what's, what one should do. And, and without that, it's, it's not possible to make advancement. Next section. Simply by theoretical knowledge or study, one cannot make any appreciable advancement. One must give up the association of materialistic persons and seek the association of devotees, because without the association of devotees, one cannot understand the activities of the Lord. Generally, people are convinced of the impersonal feature of the absolute truth. Because they do not associate with devotees, they cannot understand that the absolute truth can be a person and can have personal activities. What did you all hear on that section? Yes. Hare Krishna. Tech support. <laughs> if you say, I'll repeat while they're fixing the mic. Okay, that's all right. It's in there somewhere. Because Satamprasangama Vivir, it goes in the ear. Prabhupada says elsewhere that although the ears are very small openings, inside is as big as the sky. So he said, don't worry about, you're going to overwhelm yourself by hearing too much. It's not possible. (laughs) And, And if you keep taking it in, it'll end up inside. So what we just read is, Generally, people are convinced of the impersonal feature of the absolute truth. Because they do not associate with devotees, they cannot understand that the absolute truth can be a person and can have personal activities. Right? Okay. This is a very difficult subject matter, and unless one has personal understanding of the absolute truth, there is no meaning to devotion. Anyone? What did you hear? Okay, he's got it back. (laughs) (laughs) Hare Krishna. Generally speaking, uh, most people will accept the impersonal conception of divinity without the body association. It's difficult or impossible to accept the personal future. You're a, you're a preacher. You're out there in the world. Do you find that to be true? Yes. In what way? Um, a lot of people will accept the conception of oneness, or even that you know there's a divine spark in each living entity. Yeah. Certainly humans. Yeah. Um, but the idea of Bhagavan coming to this material world and performing pastimes. It's, more difficult to it's a little intimidating. 
Yeah. And you're difficult, really. So it's, this is uh, something that uh, we find is pervasive. And even in some of the major world religions, there's a reluctance to present the personal feature of God very prominently. In fact, sometimes it's withheld entirely. And there's a general theology and an understanding that there's a pervasiveness to God, but the idea that he's Bhagavan and that he can wear earrings, uh, what speak of you can dress him yourself, or you know, he can kiss you or something like that, that is, uh, that's not so much well known, is it, here in the Washington DC area? Or, or very many other places as well. If you go to Lowy Bazaar in Vrindavan and you ask them for some little earrings about this big, they won't uh, miss a beat. They'll say, sure, this is for Bhagavan, right? <laughs> but if you go downtown here in uh, Washington, D.C. and say, I need a little dress about this big, you know, some pants. And it's like, what are you, playing with dolls or something? <laughs> nobody, um, nobody entertains this idea of God, what to speak of, how he manifests in various ways personally so that we can approach him. So this is something you really only get around devotees. Thank you. That was a really good point you made. Okay, so, and, and Prabhupada says here, this is a difficult subject matter. There, uh, is and unless one has personal understanding of the absolute truth, there's no meaning to devotion. Unless one has a personal understanding, there's no meaning to, vo to devotion. Before I came to Krishna Consciousness, I noticed that there were a lot of impersonal writings. I was sifting through them, trying to find um, my way on the spiritual path. And oftentimes, God was being described impersonally, but then there would be, uh, or saying that I was part of that, I was God. But then there were prayers to God, and I was thinking, well, who are we actually praying to? Did you ever have that impression? Anyone? Anyone? Yes? Okay. So... Prabhupada continues, he says, service or devotion cannot be offered to anything impersonal. Service must be offered to a person. Everyone repeat this. Service must be offered to a person. Non-devotees cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or any other Vedic literature wherein the activities of the Lord are described. They think that these activities are fictional, manufactured stories, because spiritual life is not explained to them in the proper mood. So I have a question for you. Are you ready? Say yes. yes. Okay. Why is it that non-devotees cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading Srimad Bhagavatam or any, any other Vedic literature wherein the activities of the Lord are described and that they think that these activities are fictional manufactured stories? Why is that? According to what we just read. You might have got to use the mic or you don't get any credit. <laughs> because spiritual life or uh, this, uh, it is not explained to the proper mood, all these activities are... In the proper mood, right? Isn't that interesting, the word mood? I mean, what is a mood anyway? Anyone have any idea what a mood is? Do you have one in your pocket? Do you know what a mood is? Somebody look it up. Who's got a dictionary? The answer is everybody, because you, you have a smartphone, I guarantee you. And if you don't, I'll buy you one afterwards. Um, what, what is mood? Give me the definition from the dictionary. I want to see where it comes from and what it means. A temporary state of mind. 
mind. Give them the mic. A temporary state of mind or feeling. And where does it come from? What's the etymology? It's a state of feeling. Scroll down. Anybody else have the etymology? Yes. What is it? Mod. Spell it. M-O-D. M-O-D. From high German. Mount. M-U-O-T. Mount. Which means? A feeling. The form of a silicon as determined by the quantity and quality of its constituent propositions. That helps a lot. A form or a particular set of inflectional forms of a verb to express whether the action or state it denotes is conceived as fact or in some other manner. It's a feeling. The mood, it's a feeling. What do you say? An emotion. Yes, very good. So, can emotions be expressed through words? Everyone who didn't say yes, defend your position of no. But you said yes. Emotions are expressed through words. I'll give you evidence from the Srimad Bhagavatam. It, it, it's remarkable, isn't it? Living beings have emotion. And that emotion comes out through speech. Prithu Maharaj mentions this when he says that when devotees speak, because their words are infused with love, he gives it poetically, he says, their speech touches the lotus feet of Krishna and thereby dislodges saffron particles. On the lotus feet of the Lord, there are saffron particles. Then that speech becomes mixed with the saffron mercy particles. And that's why when a devotee speaks, the quality is different. Especially when there's true emotion in the heart of the person. Now, how about if somebody says, who doesn't actually care about you, they said, I love you. And then you go, no, you don't. <laughs> because you can tell how. It's like, yeah, have you ever heard from a spouse, a friend, or anybody else that they, you said, I don't like your tone? Nobody's heard that? God, I'm surprised. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't like the tone of your voice. They said the right thing. Was like, well, what's wrong? It's like, I don't like your tone. What is that tone? What's a tone anyway? It's a very sp subtle sound difference. You can tell the tonality is different. And that emanates from the mood or the feeling, the emotions in the heart. This is very personal. So when somebody has a loving sentiment for Krishna and they speak, that affects us. It comes out and it has an effect on us and it changes us. That's how the world works. So this is the, the science of Christian consciousness, how we become advanced by being in the association of devotees who have that mood. Prabhupada continues. Is everyone okay? Half of you. To understand the personal activities of the Lord, one has to seek the association of devotees 
And by such association, when one contemplates and tries to understand the transcendental activities of the Lord, the path to liberation is open and he is freed. What are the two things in that sentence, Prabhupada says, you have to do once you uh, seek out and find the association of devotees? There's two things he said there. And if you'd like, I can read it again. How many people would like me to read it again? One, two, three, four, five. Everyone didn't raise your hand, cover your ears. <laughs> to understand the personal activities of the Lord, one has to seek the association of devotees. And by such association, when one contemplates and tries to understand the transcendental activities of the Lord, the path to liberation is open and he is freed. What were the two things? Contemplate and, and try to understand. So contemplate is also, um, who's our, look it up, contemplation. Yeah, you really have to consider it deeply, don't you? Yeah. Okay, it's taken a while here. So, contemplate. You have to think about it very deeply. Consider it. Go ahead, please. Because this, this is how you take advantage of the kata. So these are two things. One is contemplation. Let's hear it. So contemplation is the action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time. Look at it thoughtfully for a long time. So can you do that with Krishna kata? Can you look at it thoughtfully for a long time? Okay. And the second thing, is any other uh, information you can give us quickly? Deep reflective thought. Deep reflective thought. Good. All right. So that's important when we're hearing Krishna Kata. And the, and the second point that Prabhupada made besides contemplation is that you try to understand. Try to understand it. In which case the path to liberation is open and you become freed. So that's, what, that's the work that we have to do. Just contemplate and try to understand in the association of devotees. What to speak of, seek out devotees. So that's something else we should do actively. Finally, one who has firm faith in the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes fixed and his act, attraction for association with the Lord and the devotees increases. Association with devotees means association with the Lord. Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur comments that just as before you see the sun, you see the sun rays on the horizon. Similarly, before you see Krishna, you see the devotees. So you know if you've met Vaishnavas and you're associating with them, pretty soon you're going to see Krishna. It's guaranteed. The devotee who makes this association develops the consciousness for rendering service to the Lord. And then, being situated in the transcendental position of devotional service, he gradually becomes perfect. I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas and therefore are the most worshipable in the three worlds. Hare Krishna. And now let's see if you have any questions.
Yes, Prabhu. We have a question. So, Maharaj, you know, Just the microphone's the coming right now. <laughs> so in the last line it says... Hold it really close. Sorry. Position of a devotional service, he gradually becomes perfect. Um, so, we... Um, Hold it close. With the way Shuman Pada, Fort Kendra Shuman Pada, Maharaj, you know, um, after six, month, six months of, um, um, you know, pleasing the Lord, pleasing the Lord, you know, he got his um, stepbrother killed, and now he wants revenge from the Yakshas. So, you know, he got the devotional service, but he had that revenge inside him. So, can you explain? Prabhupada explains in that section that, that revenge came from his Kshatriya nature. So while we're in this world, while we're in the physical body, it's not that our nature won't show up. And it's, it's the, the way that uh, we're interacting with the world will be unique according, even if somebody's in perfection, there will be some kind of... Uh, exhibition of, of their nature because the, we have a subhava or a particular kind of um, embodiment and cultural experience and so forth and that's not expunged uh, when one becomes a, a pure devotee. The, the external circumstances though, however are not um, considered. Drishtai subhava janitarva pushashtra doshara Rupa Goswami says in the Upadeshamrita that the, the, the external features of, of a pure devotee are to be uh, pushed aside, they're not to be considered. Just as when you go to the Ganga, you'll see that the Ganga has bubbles, foam, and mud. But those who know the value of bathing in, in Mother Ganga, they push aside the bubbles, foam, and mud, and they take their bath anyway. Akura was uh, apparently on some kind of a strange mission for a pure devotee because he was employed by Kamsa to go to Vrindavan and pick up Krishna to have him killed, and he knew that. That was something that... Uh, Kamsa was explicit about it. He said, I've got this elephant, I've got these wrestlers, I want to kill these guys, so go get them. And then Akura drives to Vrindavan, and all the way he's thinking, well, Krishna knows my heart because I'm a pure devotee, even though <laughs> this is my job right now, working for Kamsa. And uh, pure devotees, uh, on all levels, Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, their apparent worldliness, in any case, is to be discounted because their determination for serving him is fixed. And any exhibition of worldliness is not considered. In fact, Krishna says it emphatically that you must consider that they're saints because of their fixity on a pure devotional service. In fact, Rupa Goswami mentions that out of the 24 qualities of a pure devotee, the one that's the most important is one's determination to serve Krishna as a devotee. All the other qualities of being poetical, being patient and kind and so forth, um, 
can be absent. And of course, yes, yes, the bhakti or bhagavatiya kinchena sarvargana tatra samasate sura harava bhaktasa kutomahadguna manorati nasati tabatobhi. They will develop in time. But if you have that one quality, and that is that I, I believe Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God and, and I want to worship Him. Even if you're minus all the other qualities, you're still considered a devotee. However, if you have all the other good qualities, but you don't have that, you're not a devotee. Other questions? One, two. Um, understanding what, what this look and, and, and the description of the Prabhupada did on, on that, um, since we, we're dealing with the material world and we, we, we're securing our prescribed duties, okay, for some of us it's, it's hard to get that, that Sangha with, with the devotees, correct? So, in order to understand the Shastras and, and the meanings of it, like you said, if, if you only read and you don't have the sangha of the devotees, it would be very difficult to, to understand that. So my question is, can we indirectly try to get the association even if not in person? Like, for example, when I see your classes, I, I, I feel lifted, I feel blessed, and I try to execute whatever recommendation you do. But even though there is no in person, uh, can we get kind of a good, a good effect of, of, of that relationship, that Sangha, even though there is no present on, on, on the body part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you already answered your own question. You said you're listening to such and such and you're feeling some effect. So, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You know, I've had this experience many times. I'm listening to somebody and I feel like I know them, and uh, I'm inspired by them. When I see them, it's like, hey, how do you bone? Like, who are you? <laughs> but I know you. So we know someone by hearing, and we actually take on the qualities. There is something special about being there in person. There's element. Otherwise, you know, people listen to musicians all the time, and they buy their records, but why do they go to the concert? And why do they care that they're in the front row? There's something that you get that's special there, the full feature, when, when the personality and you can get close. So in the, in the absence of Krishna, we hear Bhagavad Gita, we hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, we hear from the devotees and so forth, but, uh, and similarly in, in the absence of Prabhupada and other you know, exalted devotees, we listen to them and we feel their qualities because we, we pick up the the mood uh, through, and, and we pick up their qualities through the sound vibration. So it's very effective, but whenever we, we can get the personal association, that's also very important as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, who is next? Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So I was just uh, not a question, but just a thought. Uh, while reading this, uh, that says non-devotees cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading Shri Bhagavatam. 
And I was thinking that, uh, and in the end, actually, uh, Sri Prabhupada says that because spiritual life is not explained to them uh, in proper mood. So when we go out for book distribution, and we are giving them, giving non-devotees Srimad Bhagavatam, and I was thinking we are giving them both. We are giving them our association, and our, we are giving them our mood. So we are somehow kind of igniting that those two things for them, so that even non-devotees can start reading Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, nice observation. Yeah, thank you. Well, really, um, people's devotional lives start with some contact with devotees. We find when we interview devotees anywhere in the world, there's a story that you can trace back and someone will say, oh yeah, I met such and such, at such uh, and they said this and it made an impression upon me. That was the first time I met devotees and that stays with one in a very profound way. And so when we do make contact with people by going out and presenting Krishna consciousness, there's some impression there. And then when they're able to take a book like Srimad Bhagavatam and, and read it, the two of them go together because if they meet a person that impresses them, they think, oh, this is a saintly person. Now let me see what's in the book. Then that, that impression becomes even stronger. And it gives them some qualification. They appreciate the interaction they had with the devotee. That's why it's important when we go out to teach Krishna consciousness that we offer uh, good association and, and make a, a positive impression upon people. Other questions? Prabhu. The last line says, uh, with devotional service, one gradually becomes perfect. So what is the definition of perfect? And is perfect a, a position once you reach there, you stay there perfect position? Or you fall down from that and then you have to come back to the perfect position? Keep, is it like pendulum that you keep falling and then coming back? Or you stay there? Because when I was uh, watching this Narada uh, story, I think he's a perfect uh, devotee, but then he also fall down in one place, and then... What's that? Uh, Nar Nar where did he fall down? Uh, where he, he had this uh, ego, and he gets some uh, lusty desires, and then... From where? Uh, I was watching the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, in the episodes where he wanted to marry uh, a girl, but... Uh, he said that uh, the where was the where are the episodes from? Uh, it's on color TV, Srimad Bhagavatam. A what? This is inaccurate information. The the, the story of Narada Muni starts uh, in his previous life, and in his previous life, Narada Muni is a Gandharva, and he's a great singer, and Narada. Uh, Although he's a great singer, he goes to all the kirtan festivals and he kind of shows off because he's so good. And, you know, he's got his dhoti tie just the right way and his hair in a, in a bun or whatever. And then, and then, you know, he's doing all this singing, but he goes to this one a festival with Vaishnavs and he starts singing about the demigods. And the Vaishnavs were very uh, annoyed, beyond annoyed. They cursed him that in your next life, you become a Shudra, 
So in his next life, he takes birth in a, in a apparently very lowly family. Of course, most of the big lessons in the Bhagavatam are precipitated by a curse by a sage, because when sages curse, they're actually giving a blessing. So what happens is that he's born into a, a single family home, and that is he has a mother, no father, but the benediction is that during the Chaturmasya season, sages come and stay with, with uh, this little boy, Narada, he's five years old, and his mother. And during the Chaturmasya time, they're doing their hearing and chanting. And that was a good example of this verse, because what happens to Narada, Narada himself describes in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And that is that he hears them doing their bhajan every day for four months in their house during, during Chaturmasya. And then he starts to imitate and also do the process that they're doing. And then one day, as he's helping to serve them, his mother's serving them and he's serving, then he asks them, can I take the remnants of your food? And he does that. So he has this intimate touch with the devotees. He's hearing from them. He takes the remnants of their food by their permission. And then uh, his heart changes. And he starts to uh, experience the, the transcendence. So the sages go away, and then his mother goes out one day to milk a cow, and she gets bitten by a snake, and she dies. And now he has nothing and nobody, except for the fact that his heart has already been transformed. And now he sets out on his own and begins to observe God's creation and appreciate how Krishna is everywhere. And he sits down in a lonely forest and he begins to meditate. And he was taught this by the sages, how to fix his mind on the Supreme. And now Krishna, he has a full darshan with the Lord in his heart. And every one of his senses becomes spontaneously and independently enlivened in devotional service. But then he loses the vision. It's as if he had it, and he was swimming in an ocean of nectar, and then it immediately, or not immediately, but in, at at a certain point, it drops away, and he can't feel it anymore. He can't see the Lord. And then Krishna speaks to him in an unembodied voice from the sky and says, you're a kuyogi. means you're, you're not perfect yet. And therefore, um, you have to perform the process of devotional service in this lifetime in order to qualify yourself to see me. And so Narada then lives his life out in practice of devotional service, and when he leaves the present body that he had, as I've just described, then he gets his transcendental body. And from then, he never falls down. Perfection is described, uh, it's not a plateau, and it's not a final destination. There's perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. All phases of devotional service are considered to be perfect in and themselves, but there's more perfection that can be attained. And in the case of this particular con in this particular con uh, context, the most definitive way of, of describing it comes in the Srimad Bhagavatam first canto, second chapter, which Prabhupada uh, quotes frequently, including in the uh, first verse of the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says, if you want to know everything and attain perfection, just hear from me, touch Srinu. And Prabhupada also quoted it on his way to America when he was writing his poetry and uh, <coughs> contemplating how it was that people would 
be able to come out of the mire of material existence and attain perfection. And those verses start with Shu Shu Shro Shodatana Syabasa Devakataruchi, Syan Mahatsevyavi Prapunya Tirtanashevana. And that is by serving pure devotees, one then develops an affinity for hearing about Krishna. Then Shrinvatam Swakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana, Hrityan Takstohi Padrani, Vidhunoti Suhritsatam. As one hears about Krishna actively, as we've heard here, Krishna, who's within the heart, appreciates the effort of the devotee, and he acts as the vidhunoti. That is, he helps to take out the material desires from within the heart of the devotee. Then, nashta prayushu padrishu nityam bhagavata sevaya, This verse says, by regularly attending classes in the Bhagavatam, one's uh, anartas, or material desires, are practically destroyed almost until nil. So what's being described here, midway through the verse, is that there's an interim phase of devotional service. So yes, there's a progressive way in which one uh, moves forward on the path of devotional service. And we... We have other descriptions of this, for instance, in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, when uh, Lord Krishna gives encouragement to those who are midway on the path of devotional service. Could we stop building forts or move it to the side? It's very distracting. Um, he says, Jata Shraddha Matkatasu Nirvina Sarva Karmasu. Veda Dukat Makankamam Prityagi Pyanishvara Tato Bajetamam. Prita Shraddha Lur Jurdhanishchaya Jushamanams Tatankamams Pradyagi Dukodarkams Dagarayan. Sorry, I mangled it. Uh, Krishna says one's faith has awakened in, in hearing and chanting, just as we're describing here. In other words, you have this Shraddha that if I hear and chant in association of devotees, I'm going to attain perfection. And this is, this is the, the actual path. So you know this. Jata means it's born. Shraddha, your faith. Uh, Matkatasu, in topics about me. Nirvina Sarvakarmasu, the person also knows that uh, all kinds of sense gratification leads to misery. Veda Dukatnakamams, and he's disgusted with the material world. Dukho Dharkamstragara, then Prityagi Pyanishvara means, but still he doesn't have the, the, the strength yet to overcome the uh, uh, sense gratification. Ishvara means the supreme controller, almost also means the power to do something. He can't give it up. So he's hearing, he has faith, but he, ha- he hasn't attained that strength yet. So Krishna says, uh, go on with the practice. Know that you're very dear to me. And he said, you can, take, you can have a little bit of regret that you're not on the perfect stage yet, but don't become... Uh, morose, because that's a trick of Maya by which you become discouraged on the path of, of the practice of, of bhakti. And, and soon you'll come to that point. And then, uh, in the going back to the first canto, second chapter of the Gita, uh, of the Bhagavatam, uh, Sutta Goswami goes on to say, Tada rajas tamobhava kama lobadayasjai cheta iter anavitam stitam sattve prasiditi. So this is indicating the next stage of advancement, tada, at that time, rajas tamobhava kamalubhadayasjaye. Because of the effect of hearing in the association of devotees at that time, 
one notices that the lower modes of material nature are subsiding and that they've dropped away. Cheta eter anavidam stita means situated sattve prasiditi. So he becomes situated in sattve, which the acharyas say mean, means shuddha sattva. He's come above the three modes of material nature. And then, evam prasana manaso bhagavad bhakti yogata, bhagavad tattva vijnanam mukta sangha sajayate. He practically becomes liberated by that um, practice of hearing and chanting. And bidyat, final, final verse, bidyate hridaya grantis chijante sarvasamshaya shiyante chasyakaramani drishtaeva manishvare. At that time, the knot in the heart, that is, as you know well from studying the sixth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's a, a, an impulse to enjoy the material world, which is the cause of our problems, because even though you can rectify sinful activities by prayaschitta, the impulse to enjoy again is still there. That's the problem. But by Krishna Kata, Bidyate Hridaya Grantish, that impulse, or which is being described metaphorically here as a knot in the heart, is cut. Bidyate Hridaya Grantish, Chidyante, Sarva Samshaya. And then all one's doubts are removed completely. Shiyante Chasyakarmani, Drishtevat Manishre, because then one sees for oneself one's eternal relation, one's already seeing it, he's entered into the relationship with Krishna. So the Madhurya Kadamani goes through a, a, a more minute um, examination of what is purity and impurity and the, and the levels of perfection, and um, minus all the details because we're already out of time, getting to the, uh, th- through the various stages which are described there as starting from these are the various stages of advancement chalked out by Rupa Goswami and, and elaborated upon in the Madhurya Kadambani until one comes not just to prema but also to the stage of prema in which one is seeing Krishna face to face in one's relationship. At that time, the effects of previous sinful reactions only at that time are they completely 100% removed. Before that, even at the stage of asakti, bhava, uh, there may be, uh, and even uh, in the preliminary stage of prema, until one's actually seen Krishna face to face in one's relationship, uh, um, it's, it's, not, it's known that there can be some last vestiges of, of imperfection. So, but, uh, again, if someone's on the path of devotional service, however imperfectly they may be performing it, the person is also considered to be perfect based on the paradigm of perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. And Krishna emphasizes this again and again. And uh, please don't listen to watch movies that aren't authorized. Um, Only read Prabhupada's Bhagavatam. Don't even read other translations because... The, the BBT versions of the Bhagavatam are perfect. They've been presented by Prabhupada. The mood is perfect. The purports are perfect. And they've been perfectly presented through the empowered representatives of Prabhupada to give us clear knowledge. And if you, if you go on the internet and you listen to any other presentation, if you get one thing wrong, you're going to make a, a, a mistake. And that could be really costly. So be careful. So do hear and chant. But you don't need anything else but, but Prabhupada's Bhagavatam. 
and if you make an effort to go deeply within Prabhupada's books, you'll then find out how deep they actually are. Because if you dedicate hours every day to reading Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nectar Devotion, Teachings of the Lord Chaitanya, Krishna Book, uh, and all the other books we have, you'll find out that you don't have enough time to look at the other <laughs> stuff. And uh, don't go to Lloyd Bazaar also to, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Rasabihariyalal, but I mean, I know you're an entrepreneur and everything like that, but you don't need all those books. You need Prabhupada's books. Uh, you, I mean, I have nothing against other books, reference books and so forth, but these are our mainstay. And if you stay within this, uh, you'll, you, the mood will be perfect and you'll be really protected. Thank you very much. What a beautiful community here. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, just the temple room is so effulgent and gorgeous. The deities, I haven't had a chance to have a, a you know, closer look at just now, but I mean, all of you are amazing. What a nice place. And how lucky, and I love these rugs. <laughs> I've always loved the style here, you know, it's really nice. And the Vyasa signs, Vyasasana is the same. Prophet sat there in 1976. I was here at that time. I used to sleep in this temple room sometimes. So could we just go over a few minutes and you can tell some stories? I'd be happy to. I'll sit here all day. I got no, It's a kadashi. There's no, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, please give her the microphone. Just to let everybody know. Okay. I just need to be. Okay. Um, at 9.30, the Sanskrit recitation of the Gita begins. Oh. This wonderful devotee called Narata Mananda who actually chants the whole Gita every day. It's just part of his... OMG. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time after the recitation, people always say, can we do it every day? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So, um, uh, but we can continue here for, for a little bit longer. We'll be serving the Kadasi Prasad in the hall. Okay. And um, I've understood that you don't take Prasad on Kadasi, or you do some fasting or something. Something. Okay. <laughs> so um, I think we'll, and some of the, uh, the the DC book distribution team will have a little meeting. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so we won't tarry too long here. If if somebody has any other point they want to make, we can do it. Otherwise, it sounds like we should move on, right? Well, yeah. we'd like to hear a little something about you being here and with Prabhupada and some, okay. some a story or two from. Uh, well, I know that, that back when what is like near the kitchen used to be a, a brahmacharya ashram because I know I lived in there. I don't know what kind of room it is now. Is it where you keep vegetables or something? So we stayed in there and I also we sometimes slept in this temple room. And one of the devotees, I asked him, I hired him to wake me up every day by pouring the deity water in my face and dragging me across the floor. Uh, Prabhupada came here, 1976. I was stationed here because I was working, work, work, working the airport at that time, National Airport. I was here with my god brothers Sabuti Roy Prabhu and Pragosh, and uh, we got sent here. I was part of the BBT traveling party, where we we would be embedded in various communities, and we'd stay there to um, encourage book distribution and to teach book distribution and so forth. And our particular Assignment was National Airport, where we'd meet uh, all kinds of people, like politicians. I once gave a book to uh, George McGovern, who was on it. You don't know who that is, do you? 
uh, and others. I won't get into that part, but uh, Prabhupada came here. I remember I came home once. Uh, Prabhupada was here, 1976. That was the bicentennial. It was a huge year here in the, in the D.C. area because people came from all over the world to celebrate 200 years of independence from the British crown and the, the great experiment known as the, uh, you know, following the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And um, I came home from Sankirtan. It was a Saturday, I, I believe. That's my recollection. Someone could prove me wrong by looking at Google. And um, I just remember Saturday was a half day, and we came back, and, they, and it seemed like business as usual. I was getting out of the van. Someone said, Prabhupada wants to go see the fireworks. And I said, what? <laughs> and they uh, said, yeah. And so here, uh, back then, there was only one SUV in, in America, and it was in, called an International Harvester. And that was the, car, the main car here that they took Prabhupada around. And fortunately, you could see, fortunately, you could see Prabhupada, uh, his profile from that, because he was up a little higher. So Prabhupada got in that car. Pushta Krishna Maharaj was here. He was traveling with Prabhupada. And I think Rupanuga Prabhu was here. And uh, uh, Shutakirti or, or um, one of his other servants might have been here. I can't remember who. Yeah, it was Hari Sari, exactly. So Hari Sari was here, and they all got in the International Harvester with Prabhupada, and then all of us uh, got behind Prabhupada in our cars. And uh, there was a, a lot of traffic, and there were a lot of people along the motorways because it was the bicentennial, and everyone was waiting for the big celebration and the fireworks. And uh, we were uh, vying, jockeying for position to get closer to Prabhupada's car, probably something very dangerous. And uh, we got all the way down to uh, the, the mall area, and we got out of the car, and there was a wicker uh, seat, basket, wicker uh, little seat that we took out and put on the lawn. And I sat next, I, I got the duty to sit at the, you know, right at, below Prabhupada and hold a plate, and it had all kinds of uh, treats on it, like fruits and some Mahaprasadam and stuff like that. So I was holding it and that was for Prabhupada to you know, honor if he wanted it. And then Prabhupada was just sitting there looking around and all the devotees sat around him on the grass. And then we realized that the trees were blocking and wouldn't be able to see the fireworks very well. Uh, so we got back in the car and we moved to another place. Meanwhile, I was astounded because Prabhupada was looking around and he was noticing all the buildings and I didn't know you could do that. All I knew was, you know, the temple and the route to the airport and my service and come home. And I, I, I never looked around. I don't know, I didn't know much about many cities, including New York. I lived there three years. And, you know, just recently, Kashtuba showed me around and said, this is this, that is that. I knew the route to the airport. And so it was a revelation to me that you could actually look around at the world or modern civilization. And, and what Bhavananda told me was that it was during that time that Prabhupada had looked at the Capitol building, and uh, that's when he conceived the TLVP, which, is a B, which is, was sketched out according to what Prabhupada wanted. Uh, it's, it's a rep, very similar um, facsimile of this uh, architecture there in, D, in D.C. We also went on walks with Prabhupada every day by the falls, uh, we'd walk off the property, drive somewhere, and then Prabhupada gave these really wonderful um, wa um, talks along the, the, the walks. 
and um, big kirtans in here, and, and I just remember that Vyasasana was at that same level. Prabhupada sat down there. It's kind of unique and really nice. Thank you very much. We yes. We still have that liquor chair. It's up there in the office, right? Well, we put it to safety just because the office became all kinds of things to use. We actually have that liquor chair and the table that Prabhupada sat at when he stayed up there. We're gonna when we we have to take down this building, all those rooms to build a new temple building. But we hope to to make a model, a replica here. Mm. Nice. There's a discussion about this we could pull apart to put in a new temple. But uh, Pushpavanka, who he told me the story about, he was one of the devotees who put it together and he was afraid if we take it apart, we may not be able to put it back together. I see. But thank you for sharing. Uh, those are stories we haven't heard. Yeah, and I wish you all luck. Uh, pray for all success in your building the new temple. This is one of the nicest properties in ISKCON. Mm -hmm. Really, and uh, such a powerful community you have here, doing such really nice service. And thank you for all you're doing and for having us here. It's really touching. Great to see you all. Yes, Mataji, last thing. Hare Krishna. Whenever I see you, I see that you have so much enthusiasm for book distribution and for Krishna Katha. Uh, if you could please highlight a few things from your life that we all can learn and implement in our life to keep up with that enthusiasm. I'll just give one short anecdote, and that was my uh, association with Rabindra Sarup Prabhu. He was a, a revered Vaishnav, a great scholar and such a pure-hearted person. And a few years ago, um, maybe more like six probably, I got in, involved in Philadelphia because I had a couple of devotees there who were enthusiastic and I had the wherewithal to start developing a book distribution program. So Rabindra Sarup Prabhu was the temple president at that time and I, I started going there and visiting and there was some uh, rumor that he wasn't into book distribution. I don't know how that spread, but I think as he didn't like the way it was done in the past, so people just took it that he didn't like it wholesale. So anyway, I went there and um, started developing a relationship with him at that time. And during one uh, meeting that we had uh, between the, the board and the, uh, the book distribution team we were building, we needed uh, quite a few um, concessions and we needed requisition, for instance, a room for the book room and all kinds of things we needed. We had a long list and nobody thought we'd get much of it. So as we were going down the list and asking for various uh, concessions and, and kinds of support, for the book distribution team, Rabindu Sarup Prabhu was there, you know, holding open court as a temple president, and he was saying, granted, 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 all the way down the list. And halfway through, I looked at him and said, wow, you're really into this. And he goes, I was there. I heard Prabhupada personally. He told me, distribute books. It's not true, I don't like book distribution. <laughs> I'm into this, you know. And he was so enthusiastic. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, it, it so went so deeply in my heart, my appreciation of him. Later on, I asked him to write the introduction to my book. And boy, was that a wonderful experience. I mean, he's such a thoughtful person and a wonderful writer and so forth. So, um, you know, just 
in writing my book, I interviewed a lot of uh, senior devotees. And uh, there, was, there was something going around at the time, some writing somebody was doing for another book, in which they were, uh, it was fake news, basically. They were trying to say that book distribution wasn't important, Prabhupada wasn't really into it, he just wanted little Harinam and a few, you know, distribution of Back to God in magazines, but this whole thing got blown out of control. And so I, in my interviews with senior devotees, Brahmananda, um, our God brother just passed away in Vrindavan recently, Gunagrahi Maharaj and so forth, I'd ask him this question. So what do you think of this theory that Prabhupada wasn't into books? You're, this is crazy, I would say. Outrageous, crazy. And when I told Gunagrahi Maharaj, and I said, this person wrote this thing, and it's being circulated, and he said, hey, he's an upstart. He doesn't know anything. So I, one thing, impression I got was seeing for myself and going back to all the senior devotees that I could meet, even the ones that there was some rumor that, you know, like they weren't that into book distribution, or at least in the way it's been done in the past, they all said the same thing, no, Prabhupada was totally into it. He was the one pushing it. And that gave me such uh, solace. Um, and, you know, I already knew it for myself because I was there too. But, you know, as time moves on, things, people's minds can change and all kinds of conflicting ideas can come in. So it's really important to refresh our, our, refresh our idea about what is the mood of the Acharya, what are services that go forth, uh, and the ones that stay behind. And I I've became even more convicted that book distribution is something that's so dear to Srila Prabhupada's heart it's not only that, it's, it was the purpose that, you know, Vyasadeva came and, and all the great Acharyas are dedicated to giving this information to human society. And so um, that is an experience that, all, that fortified me even more, even in the last decade, to uh, adhere to the service and to propagate it and make it available to other people. Thank you very much. Vanchakop the Rishcha, Kripas in the Bay, Vacha, Patitanam, Pavani, Bio, Vaishnavibio, Namunamaha, Nantakoti Vaishnavinija. Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Hey, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman.